Oh yeah? Oh yeah, can't you feel it, girl? I'm milling about with Todd Flaherty, and he is the writer, director, and star of Chrissy Judy. Hey, Todd. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, I love this film so much. Oh, thank you so much. I loved making it. <laughs> oh, I bet. You looked like you had such a great time. It was uh, the, the experience of a lifetime, really. I can die happy now, yeah. <laughs> Where are you uh, zooming in from? Uh, I live in Provincetown, Massachusetts on Cape Cod. So that's where the third act of the film takes place. And I moved up here a couple of years ago uh, during the pandemic. And I was only supposed to be here for three months and I haven't left yet. So I think this is home base for a while. <laughs> Do you know, I have such a soulful connection to Provincetown. Oh. I used to go there in the 80s and oh. dance my ass off in the clubs and just loved it, loved it, loved it. I was actually really friendly with Jimmy James. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Wait, are they, they're still here, right? I, I, he, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In okay. fact, there's a Marilyn Monroe project, but I digress. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> um. So tell me the inspiration for the film. Yeah. Um. So I always hesitate to say that the film is autobiographical, but they do say, write what you know. Um, so I started writing this uh, in 2018 when I moved to Philadelphia after living in New York for about 13 years. So for viewers who haven't watched the film yet, um, the story is about two drag sisters who have this drag duo um, and they're best friends. And uh, Chrissy decides to leave New York to pursue a romantic partnership in Philadelphia, leaving Judy behind in New York to kind of carve out his own path. Um, and so sake. anyway, yeah, what's that? For sake. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think the inspiration just started there. I was in Philadelphia and I wanted to explore this um, idea of queer friendships and queer chosen family, um, which I really hadn't seen, um, you know, shown on film um, too much. I love, love queer cinema and um, I think that we have this amazing array of new films that are cropping up. And so I'm happy that this story of Chosen Family is like uh, a part of this new wave of stories that we're telling. Yeah, and Todd, it couldn't be any more important because right now we're going through such a horrible time, as you know, with drag queens being banned. So mm -hmm. talk about that importance of seeing the film. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because um, I feel like when I was writing this, uh, you know, I... I also wanted to tell the story of a, a queer person trying to make queer art for queer people, which is very hard to do because it's such a niche market. And and it really, all, anytime that I have queer friends who are making art, it's oftentimes a labor of love. And um, when I was writing it, I, I, you know, I wanted to tell the story of a queer performer and I just thought drag was the queerest art form we had. Um, and uh, I had never done drag before, but I really delved into the art form and had an even more intense love for it than I had just as a spectator. Um, and I think it's so crazy how it's become even more topical in the last year or two. Um, we premiered at the Provincetown International Film Festival right before going to Outfest uh, last summer. And even then the climate around drag culture wasn't as toxic as it is just a couple months later. So um, I hope that people will see this film and get a window into what it is to live uh, this lifestyle and have um, 
have this passion and have this drive for this type of work because it really has nothing to do with um you know any sort of like de- demonic behavior it's it's really just an expression of self um it's performance and it's an art of, it's performance art yeah yeah and i love that the film really explores someone who's trying to find their authentic voice behind this makeup and under a wig and you know behind these jewels and and there's like this uh freedom and this liberation in exploring your own voice behind this facade that helps you kind of like you know free yourself from like the the fear of messing up or or doing a bad job because you can always kind of like push through that and try again and say like well this is a character that I'm exploring it's not me this person well did you always know you would look so gorgeous as a woman? <laughs> uh, I I had high hopes. Um, yeah, when I started writing this and I knew that I wanted to play Judy, um, I quickly uh, enlisted the help of a friend of mine who's an excellent drag performer. Um, and I was like, before I really commit to doing this, I want to make sure that I at least don't look like, you know, um, there's a really wonderful drag queen in Provincetown named Dina Martina who purposefully, you know, has like, a hairy back and like big terrible makeup and I was like I don't think Judy is a Dina Martina type um so let, let's make sure I don't look te- terrible in drag but uh <laughs> thank you <laughs> so so talk about her look talk about designing her makeup and then what mm-hmm. I loved about this is that you actually watch her putting her makeup on which is so beautiful Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, again, in that exploration of someone who's discovering themselves behind a facade, um, I think what I wanted to explore in Judy is someone who um, has an affinity for like a, a bygone era. Um, and uh, Judy wants to be a torch song singer. And that's not something that anyone can easily do, let alone a drag queen in this world. Um, so the look was really inspired by um, the evolution of Judy's look Um is uh meant to emulate certain queer icons um so at the start you know judy's pulling from looks that are more disco inspired to kind of match chrissy's energy but then once judy's solo the first time we see her she's in a replica of a judy garland look um and then it evolves to the end until we sort of see her in this like um homage to um uh barbara streisand and all of this is just a tie-in looks from um one of the great uh, female impersonators. Um, oh my God, whose name is escaping me? Uh, Jim Bailey, um, who was a a huge, um, performer in the sixties and seventies who kind of idolized and worshiped these women. And, um, and I think that's kind of what we were, what we were trying to emulate, um, in the looks as, as they progressed on. So how tricky was it for you to apply her makeup? That came with a lot of uh, uh, um, you know, practice. Um, the first time I had my makeup done, um, I was like, oh, I, I think I can recreate this. And very fortunately, when I was writing it, um, someone offered me a job working the door of a nightclub in drag. And that gave me practice really quick for six weeks to, um, you know, be, you know, really honing my craft in that way. Um, because the first time you put yourself in drag, it does not look great and it didn't for a while um but then I figured out like my shapes and and what worked well and and what didn't and also you know we had the advantage of shooting in black and white so I really um I like that the black and white quality of the film picks up all of the layers of the powder and the foundation um 
And uh, I think that there's something to that. You know, oftentimes when we see drag, it's all about the color and the glitter. And um, I like that the black and white element lets us see all of the layers of the facade. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was a great exploration. Oh, yeah. And you can sing. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I, oh, I, my gosh. Thanks. Yeah. I never really consider myself a singer, which is part of the reason why I chose these torch songs. Um, my mother was an opera singer and my grandfather was a jazz pianist. So I grew up with that music. Um, but as an actor in New York, I never really auditioned for musicals because I'm not, you know, this pop tenor type of singer that um, we have acquired a taste for. Um, so I tried to lean into songs that fit more in my range. And I think we were successful in that. Yeah, so we're now on... you'd have, you have a whole new career ahead of you. <laughs> I know, I know. I know, I have a lot of people who are like, well, who sang for you? People have known me for years. I was like, that's me, I was singing. They're like, oh, I didn't know you could sing, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how, how does the community feel about what you've done in Provincetown? You know, it has been um, such an overwhelming experience. Uh, like I said, I moved here in the summer of 2020. I didn't know anyone. Um, and very quickly, uh, I realized I had to start making friends. And um, I came up here on the heels of a pretty bad heartbreak and um, was just trying to you know, reconfigure some things and, and figure out my next move. And I quickly realized that this was just such an incredible space to thrive and to work on my art. And um, now, you know, I can't go to the gym or the grocery store without someone stopping me and saying like, oh my God, I'm so excited for you. And and this is so great. And and it really, you know, I think the, the town really loves how we captured Provincetown in a way that doesn't often get um, seen on film. Um, and the importance of this space to the queer community and how it's been generationally a place that has really uplifted um, our community and our voice. So did you actually shoot in locations in Provincetown when you give them permission? Yes. So um, we shot for 10 days in New York over the course of like two or three weeks in June. And in New York, we were in Fire Island in New York City and Philadelphia and uh, New Jersey. Um, so there were a lot of company moves, but it was just um, myself, my brother, who's a cinematographer, and my sister-in-law, who was our sound mixer. So we were a very small COVID-friendly crew. Um, and then we took a two-month hiatus um, and came up to P-Town for about six days or seven days in August and shot up here. And I had been living here for long enough that everyone was like, what do you need? How can we help? You know, we want to we want to help you realize this vision. And um and it was amazing, you know, no, uh, no one said no to us for anything and everyone just like welcomed us with open arms. And um, yeah, and since then a couple things have shot up here, which is nice to see that there's becoming like a very thriving uh, film scene up here. It's a as beautiful I, place to shoot a movie or a TV show. As I said, it's gorgeous. And, yeah. and kudos to your brother, the cinematography. I know, I know. Yeah, wow. we've been working together for a long time and just to see his work continually elevate to the next level and the next level. He um, He's so immensely talented and humble on top of it. And um, and yeah, we just have a great, um, well, we shared a bedroom for like, you know, 16 years. So we have a great shorthand. Uh, we know how to communicate well with one another. And um, I think we're both similar in that, you know, whenever you're shooting something low budget, things happen. You know, there were days where, we lost a location for a night shoot at 12 in the afternoon and 
in a larger company, it, it might be hard to start making decisions because everyone's got opinions, but really it was just the two of us saying like, okay, what makes the most sense and how can we take what we have and um, make it work for the story? And, uh, and I was just really blessed to be able to work with him on this. I mean, he's as much a part of the creation of this as I am. And um, I really wouldn't have been able to do it without him. Yeah. Um, now, looking at you now, your mannerisms and your mannerisms in the film so remind me of Dan Levy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take Have it. Have you ever gotten that? Mm, uh, you know, I haven't actually, but I think it's because I have a friend who, um, honestly, when I'm out with him, people are like, I love Shuts Creek. He's like, thank you. I, I am not Dan Levy, but I appreciate that. So I think just because I hang out with someone who looks so much like him, I don't get that comparison often, but I will take it. He's amazing. <laughs> I know I was like racking my brain. Who does he remind me of? And then it popped in. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think he and I both have an affinity for playing that little like saucy character. It's it's a lot of fun to lean into that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So now why did you decide to shoot in black and white? I knew from the second I started writing it that I wanted to shoot in black and white. I love black and white films. I think there's just something like inherently romantic about black and white films that I wanted to juxtapose with this story of friendship. And um, I also think there's something timeless about this story. Um, you know, we reference Dancer from the Dance, which is one of my favorite books. And it's a book from the 70s that also talks about um, a queer platonic friendship. And uh, I remember the first time I read it thinking, wow, you know, like this is just a huge part of our community that we don't touch on this, like how we come of age with people and so I chose black and white because I wanted to um you know we we use the device of cell phones and we mention social media very briefly but other than that we don't set the film in any sort of uh time period politically or um with pop culture references and so my hope is that people can watch this 10 years from now 20 years from now and not really know when it was made and that it still feels current then mm. hopefully yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're a triple threat. You did all three. So yeah. what were the scariest challenges of that? Um, I think the hardest part was truly the hardest part is the writing. I think it's so hard to bare your soul and share that with people and pray that you're lucky enough that A, people resonate with the story that you're trying to tell and B, that you find actors who can then insert their voice into the work and really directing was made so easy because of my brother but also because we had Wyatt Fenner who played Chrissy who is one of the most remarkable actors I've ever met uh Joey Taranto who I've worked with a couple times before um who is such a genius and and James Tyson who played Samoa who just added this like absurdist comic flair um, so everyone, you know, there really wasn't any improv on set. And I think as a writer, it, you know, you get nervous. Are people going to be able to um, take what's in your mind and what's on the page and bring it to life? And and everyone did that so extraordinarily. So um, so I was definitely I had a lot of nerves about it. I think that was the hardest hurdle to get over. But then once all of those other things were in place, the rest was really kind of a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. So of the three, where do you feel you have the most strengths? 
Um, I guess just because I've been acting for as long as I have, I, I worked in the New York theater scene for about 10 years. I feel most comfortable there and making choices and, and being bold. Um, I am having the most fun exploring uh, the work of a director. Um, that has been like the most rewarding experience of this process is just really um, telling a story visually in a way that I hadn't done before. Um, and the thing that I still struggle with the most is writing. I just finished writing my next feature. And, you know, every time you do a draft, you're like, is this horrible or is there something here? I think there's something here, but I don't know. And and the thing about writing is it's such a solitary experience and you have to include other people in it to help you edit and and hone the work. And yeah, um, yeah I think that's the hardest part is the writing for me, at least. So I'm excited. Tell me about this new feature uh so it's very early stages um but it's a sort of period piece that i'm setting in 96 which sounds crazy to call it a period piece um it is but it, and it is yeah um but it's about a kid in fifth grade who's dealing with a bully and how his life kind of gets flipped upside down when his favorite teacher uh gets fired after being outed so I'm um, trying to explore how we place gender and sexuality on kids before they're ready to explore that for themselves and um, the effect culturally that um, uh, we put on kids who haven't yet like found their voice. Um, it's sort of like how we build the closet before we come out of it. So that's that's what I'm exploring right now. I don't know if I'll be able to find enough talented 10 year olds to help me tell this story, but that's what I'm working on and that's what I'm hoping to produce next. So. Well, you're in the New York theater scene. So, you know, a lot of like, you <laughs> that's know, true. Kids. there are they so many talents. To no end, but that's story. <laughs> They're very bold. That's for sure. <laughs> but I love Todd that you're telling stories that are so poignant and meaningful, you know, and yet, they are akin to your own experience. Thank you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that's the joy of being an artist and being a writer is just trying to, um, I experienced this with Chrissy Judy, you know, the, the, the story is as much about sharing our experience as gay men and our friendships um, as it is about exploring this own part of myself that's trying to figure things out. And so, I think that's what I'm working on with my next film too, is like, I'm trying to figure out like, you know, a moment in time where maybe my light was dimmed and, and how to explain that to people and how to explore it in film. Um, and it's the hard work of being an artist, but it's also the joy of being an artist is that exploration. It must be very cathartic for you as well. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think that there is an element of catharsis. And of course, you know, it's like uh, diminishes your ego a little bit, <laughs> which is a good thing um, to constantly, you know, go to those deep places and and uh, try to find answers for questions that you've had for years. Mm. Well, you are gorgeous inside and out. That's all well, I have to say. Oh, thanks. thanks. I am. I am a new fan. Oh, good. I'm a fan of yours. <laughs> oh, thank you. So uh, tell tell everybody how they can see uh, Chrissy Judy. Yeah. So Chrissy Judy is uh, having a limited theatrical run in the U.S. So we're um, open in L.A. on Friday. 
which is crazy, March 31st, um, that we open in New York and San Francisco on uh, the following Friday, April 7th. Um, and then I believe we will be available on video on demand um, on all major platforms, I think April 4th uh, is what I've been told. So yes, and you can buy a DVD too, which I was thrilled to hear. So <laughs> there's plenty Those of ways. Those things still exist. <laughs> yes, they do. And I'm so glad they do. Um, so yeah, just Google Chrissy Judy for Showtimes if you want to see it in theater. And if you are not in one of those major cities, um, you can catch us video on demand next Tuesday, I believe. So it's, it's really exciting. I'm so overjoyed that we get to have this experience of sharing this film with a larger audience. And um, I'm excited to see how people connect with it because, um, you know, I made this just to tell my own story and uh, to kind of help other people, other queer people see themselves. And it's been so rewarding to hear such a vast majority of audiences, gay, straight, and otherwise, who see themselves in it and say, like, I had this friendship and I had this experience and it, um, and it, it felt so meaningful and I connected to it so much seeing it on screen. So I hope that we continue to have that um, effect with audiences. Absolutely. It's a must-see. A must-see. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. It was so lovely. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. So come back when you're uh, for your yes. next. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be too much longer. <laughs> Done. This number goes out to all of those good Judys. Thank God for them. Right? Hit it. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.